Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, April 14, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 4, We Agnostics, on page 47. For context, we will reread the first paragraph beginning with When Therefore We Speak, and then pick up where we left off on Friday by reading and discussing our sharing on the following paragraph, which begins with We Needed to Ask Ourselves. Today's readers are as follows. Sally C. will read the OA 12 Steps. Nancy O. will read the OA 12 Traditions. And reading the text are Helena, Esther C., and Katie F. The share ID for Sunday, April 13th, is 6178. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sally C. to read the OA 12 Steps. Good morning, Rebecca. This is Sally C., uh, compulsive overeater in Oregon. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you, Sally C. I will now ask Nancy O. to read the OA 12 Traditions. Thank you, Rebecca. This is Nancy O. from Ohio, Recovered Compulsive Eater. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Nancy O. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 4, We Agnostics, on page 47, the first paragraph beginning with, When Therefore We Speak. I will ask Helena to read two paragraphs and that we focus our comments primarily on the second paragraph, which begins with, we needed to ask ourselves. Helena, 
Please go right ahead. Good morning. This is Helena, recovered in New Jersey. When, therefore, we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. This applies, too, to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. At the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth, to effect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. Afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth. But if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere, so we used our own conception, however limited it was. We needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe, that there is a power greater than myself? As soon as a man can say that he does believe, or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. And there is an asterisk telling us to be sure to read Appendix 2 on spiritual experience. Do I read that or may I share on this now? We're going to save the appendix for the next reader. Thank you. Um, We need to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe or am I willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? And it is said here that a man, of course, that means all of us, if any of us can say that we do believe, if we can even say we are willing to believe, then we are emphatically assured that we are on our way. and what does this mean to me? As it was said, we, we say what these uh, directions mean to us. Um, I came in believing in a God. Did I believe in a power great enough to stop me from eating compulsively? I'm not sure I did. However, I eventually became humbled by this disease to realize that my present conception of God was not sufficient. And I had to let go of what I believed in and look at what I needed God to be in order for me to not eat compulsively. And who I chose and what that definition is is no business of anyone else's is what I understand here. It is not necessary for me to tell you who that power is, not in a meeting here. It may deter someone else or it may stir someone else's prejudice when they are still struggling with prejudice. But I can tell you that I found what my need for God was. And then I had to become willing to believe in that. And um, I have shared that recently with a couple of people that I sponsor. And the response I got from one person was, it is not possible for God to be that. And I said, I agree with you. And yet I have to still believe in it because it is what I need him to be in order to not eat compulsively. And for the past 33 years, he has stuck with me. And my understanding of God in the church and the religion that I grew in has grown and changed. And my understanding of the God that helps me never to eat compulsively has become one with that God. And with that, I pass. I'm sure there's many wonderful things that people will say about this. Thank you, Helena. Who would like to share on the second paragraph that was read? This is Katie G. from Boston. 
Go ahead, Katie G. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G. Recovered for today. Grateful to be on the line. Compulsive overeater. <laughs> and um, yeah, when I got to this part of the work, my sponsor actually asked me to ask myself, do I now believe or am I willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? And where are we? So we're at We Agnostics. Um, came to believe that a power greater than me could restore me to sanity. And, and you know, the exciting thing is I didn't, at the time, like, what had happened to me is I had it smashed home. I am powerless. I am without power control around um, food. And number two, my life is unmanageable, whether I'm eating or I'm not. And what what happened is coming up to page 47, I had it smashed home to me that food was my drug of no choice. But I put it into my body. It sets up an uncontrollable craving for more. And I can't stop eating. But when I'm absent, I can't stop myself from starting again. And so then I saw me trying to manage my life based on what I wanted, based on the disease, the ism. I separate myself from me, you, and everybody else because I'm going after what I want. And I had it smashed home to me. I cannot live the way I've been living. And that was it. That was it for me. And I was willing to believe that me as a power wasn't working. And that was enough for me. That was my spiritual structure. That was my spiritual foundation. I didn't need some flowery, huge description of God because the truth is for me, like until I do steps four through nine, I'm still blocked from God. I don't, I don't have a strong connection to God because I'm still playing God, but I was willing to believe that there is something bigger than me, and that was my spiritual structure, my spiritual foundation. I will never forget going through this work with my sponsor, reading through and just seeing over and over again what my life was like, the consequences of the internal manageability that I kept trying to solve with putting people, places, and things inside of me. And when that didn't work, I would eat. And, um, you know, I, that I couldn't be God. And I was devastated. But the hope here was all I knew was that I had to believe. You know, and today for me, it's like, am I willing to question daily my willingness to be willing? I love this. Am I willing to consider that I'm not God? Am I willing to not play God? And, and today, you know what? Every day that I stay abstinent and live in steps 10, 11, and 12, I get to know this power greater than me better. Is it a perfect connection? No, because I get blocked again. But it is incredible and because I have known God. But the only way to know God was to get unblocked by doing the steps. So for me, this was about, yes, I am willing, um, which is what I said to my sponsor. And immediately I started to feel some freedom. Of course, it got blocked. Because, again, I have a lot of work to do, but uh, I started to feel hope. And if you're new, if there is hope. There is hope for all of us. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Katie D. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? I would. Linda D. from Connecticut. Go ahead, Linda. Good morning, Becca, and everyone. Uh, my name is Linda D., and I am from Connecticut, and I'm so grateful to be a recovered compulsive overeater. And I know when I came in 30-some-odd years ago, um, and repeatedly because I would relapse, I um, realized my life was, my food was unmanageable because, my life was unmanageable because of food. And as I did step work, 
then I realized my life was totally unmanageable, and then I kept growing, and it was really unmanageable. And the steps have created uh, something so special, so amazing grace. It's unbelievable. Not It's not unbelievable. It's, um, it's just so amazing to me because I started out as an atheist. I didn't want to be, but I was. And I was just terrified, and that was such a wonderful thing now that terror because it broke me down so as someone in the program says it god could come through my wounds and i was sure there was no god and it wouldn't show up or he or she wouldn't show up and god did show up and does show up and continues to show up in every area of my life because i'm living in 10 11 and 12 and the thing about it is that jumps out at me today is when I started, my concept was just that. It was an idea. It was a hope, really. And I wasn't, my feeling was, and I now know what the feeling was, that I'm inventing God because I need God. And maybe it's even blasphemous. <laughs> it's funny that I should think that because I didn't believe in God, but you know, I was afraid to define anything. But I had a hope. And I'm inventing God. I'm not inventing God. God shows up. And it floored me. It still does. It's so cool. So, uh, and I was uh, so uh, shattered by this disease. So every area of my life. So um, if someone out there is an atheist or scared to death, um, open your mind, sweetie, because God's coming in through these steps. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Linda B. Did anyone else want to share on this paragraph? This is Jennifer. Go ahead, Jennifer. Hi, it's Jennifer, a very grateful compulsive overeater. It's great to be on the line live. Um, it's just, uh, I, uh, I'm just so grateful the way these steps are arranged because, um, you know, step two is just about willing to believe in a power. It doesn't even use the word God yet. And, um, you know, I'm just so grateful for all the, you know, pioneers of AA. Uh, there was one individual who insisted that they put in God of their own understanding, you know, and things like that. And I'm just grateful for that individual because it made AA and OA and all the 12-step programs out there a spiritual program, not a religious one. I think this is so important because for me, you know, I need to know that I'm not different than other people in this fellowship, that I have a common malady and a common solution, which is a spiritual solution. And whatever religion I am, it doesn't matter, or if I'm not a religion at all. And, you know, um, uh, you know often there's a challenge to the, the atheist, but for me, I, 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 had a, uh, I have a religion of my own, and I had some sort of concept of God, but God, kind of like Bill describes it, like God is his first mover. You know, like, how? why would God care about how I eat? You know, that seems ridiculous. God's busy running the universe. What does that have to do with me eating? But what I've come to realize is I don't have to understand it. I don't have to understand God or have this big theological, philosophical, um, you know, concept or intellectual concept. This is not an intellectual program. This is a spiritual program. And so that spiritual experience. And 
when I started to learn that from my sponsor, um, it's just uh, all these barriers started to break down, and I'll feel God, and sometimes, I, uh, you know, I'll with my character defects, I'll block it, which is what 10, 11, 12 are for. But um, even if I feel distant from God, I know I need God. And so sometimes I just go like, I need the idea of God today. Even though I can't constantly, you know, grasp God, I know I need the idea of God, even if my brain is rebelling against it. I have to kind of ignore that rebelling against it. The way I have to ignore, oh, that kind of binge food looks good today. Because... I just, I need God. I need, you know, that are, if it comes down, in my experience, it's come down to either, you know, for that ease and comfort for my character defects, I'm either going to pick up food or God or a power greater than myself, whatever term one wants to use. Um, and that's how powerful this disease is. I need a power greater than myself. Because nothing else will still that compulsive voice in my head that today I can eat my binge food again. Nothing else will alleviate that. Um, but at this point, in step two, all I need to be is willing. And I have found that for all of steps, really all I need to be is, is willing. And the willingness is such a gift. And um, I don't know how I got it, but I'm just very glad that for today I still have it. And um, thank you very much. I'm so grateful to be able to share today, and I will pass. Thank you, Jennifer. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Larry. Go ahead, Larry. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Larry, recovered compulsive reader um, from Chicago. Um, the only thing I'll add to this, I, I like, uh, you know, I, uh, the big book um, is my text and that guides me. And I also, you know, in terms of program and working my program, one of the other, one of the other um, uh, piece of literature that I, I bring in is the AA 12 and 12 as well. You know, and um, one of the things that it says that w- that's helpful for me is in step two on page 31 in the AA 12 and 12. Um, this was good for me. It said, in AA, we saw the fruits of this belief. You know, belief is a real powerful thing. It, it said, men and women spared from alcohol's final catastrophe. We saw them meet and transcend their other pains and trials. We saw them calmly accept impossible situations seeking neither to run nor to recriminate. This was not only faith, it was faith that worked under all conditions. We soon concluded that whatever price and humility we must pay, we would pay. And that's, uh, that, that's for me, is, is a real powerful thing, is, you know, for me coming to believe, you know, coming to believe was, uh, you know, I saw, maybe I could deny you know, because I, I didn't like the word greater, and I didn't like the word power. Power was a, a word for me that, that, you know, spoke of control. And, and greater, greater than what? You know, um, greater was this idea of excellency, of something, you know, beyond, and it was hard for me to, oh, what, do you think you're so great? You know, I mean, it, it just had, a, it had an effect on me. Um, and so it was challenging, but I could not deny that I saw people in program that were not only transcending this disease, but they were living their lives in the midst of calamity and challenge and like life circumstances, you know, relationship um, issues that come up and resentments that come up and, 
and jobs that, you know, and bosses and, and all this stuff that made ourselves crazy, you know, and they were living their lives uh, calmly and in a, in a, in a serene state, you know, and I could not deny that. And I wanted what they had. I really wanted what they had. And, you know, so I came to believe that this power greater than myself, you know, that I call God, because I really can't think of another word, call it whatever you want, but I, I recognize whatever I call it, you know, that, that words um, have symbolic effect on me, and so I'll call it what I need to call it. But I call it God, and, and you know, and this, this um, coming to believe made all the difference because until I was willing to accept that a power greater than Larry would restore me to sanity, you could come in religious, you could come in uh, following, you know, being moral, being philosophical, and, you know, but until you believe that a power greater than yourself could restore you to sanity, you will be stuck with this disease. That was the case for me. And I would not be willing to work these steps. And if I did not work the steps, see, I know now, before it was just coming to believe. Now I've been transformed. This power, whatever it is, whatever it is, has transformed me. So, you know, whatever is going on in my life, my dad is dying. You know, um, you know, the economy is the economy. You know, the weather in, in the Midwest hasn't been the greatest, you know. But I, I am serene and peaceful and calm and loving and, and want to serve. Well, where did that come from? I only wanted to serve myself for decades. And now I want to serve others. Where did that come from? It came from a process in working these steps where I came to believe and accepted that this could be this could work for me, and it did. And I've been transformed, and I and I'm grateful. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. Mr. Anyone Rochelle? else want to say? <clears throat> is it Rochelle? Yes, it is. Go ahead, Monica. Rochelle. And then Monica. Do. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> and then do. Go ahead, Rochelle. Hi, good morning, everybody. This is Rochelle, recovered, um, oh, my goodness, recovered food addict in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, when, I, when I hear this, you know, I, I think about uh, how can you come to believe. Well, all right, so people can believe that there's a power that, you know, um, created this world, all right. Um, but why does he have to have anything to do with me, you know. So um, a couple, I don't know, a couple of days ago we read, uh, about looking at a starry night and saying, who then made all this? And when I juxtapose that with with me as an individual, okay, what makes me think God has the time to deal with me? He's so busy running the world. Well, for me, it's if I take an onion, I take a simple onion, and I slice it from top to bottom, down the middle, and then I look at the two halves. Isn't it amazing that each piece fits inside exactly where it's supposed to go, that they all fit inside of this little onion? You know, and look at the symmetry of all the pieces. And if you hold it up to the light, there's so much beauty. And I could do the same thing with a kiwi or any other kind of fruit or vegetable. Well, wait a second. How did it get that way? That can't be random. If I know if I tried to do it, they all wouldn't fit. The pieces just wouldn't come together, and the outside wouldn't look so beautiful and symmetrical and harmonious. So I have to say to myself, not only is this power greater than myself, capable of making a beautiful starry night that puts distance between me and him, but he also 
created the interior of something as simple as an onion, which re- yields its sweetness when it's, when it's cooked. Well, me too. I could be like that onion, you know, stinky if I don't develop myself. But if I do develop myself, I can be beautiful, and I can recognize God's assistance in, in creating the new me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rochelle. Monica? Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. So here we are in chap- in the chapter We Agnostics, and they're trying to get us here to, to um, set aside our old ideas, our prejudices, and and be willing to allow something new to come in. So in this little short paragraph, it says, we need to ask ourselves about one short question. One short question. I just found that sort of interesting here this morning when I read that. One short question. They're not asking me to try to explain or define or go into all of this, you know, uh, gobbledygook here. Just answer a short question, yes or no here. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? Well, when I came to this point with my sponsor and we read this, and she did ask me this question. And um, I wasn't too sure about all of this, you know. Um, All I knew was I was desperate. I was in pain, and my way had not worked. And I saw that something here, this program worked in others. It had worked in her, and I saw it in others. And I, I, you know, I wanted it. I wanted it. And it was like, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I like the fact that it said, am I even willing to believe? So was I even willing to believe in the possibility that there was a power greater than me? I could answer yes to that. So I said yes. And then what I liked, she went on to say, I emphatically assure you that you are on your way, emphatically, completely, strongly, forcefully assure you that you are on your way. And I do, I say that to each of my sponsees when they're able to say yes to this question, that they have made a decision that there is a possibility of something greater than them that can do for them what they can't do for themselves. So what hope here? And it goes on to say, upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderful, effective spiritual structure can be built. This simple little yes, I'm willing to believe, cracks open that door, and oh, it is a wonderful journey. And if you want what we have, then do what we did. Work the steps. And I, and it's guaranteed on page 84 that if you work the steps, it will materialize for you too. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Do. Hi, it's Sue from... Oh, I'm sorry, Sue. Go right ahead. That's why I call myself Suji, but I don't like that name. I prefer Sue. (laughs) So, um, okay. So I would like to pick up on this part of the sentence. We emphatically assure him he is on his way. That it's a journey, it's a process. This has been said before. I'm just phrasing it in a way that comes to me. That... It starts with willingness, and we move to hope. 
And that isn't a very far journey that we just ask ourselves that one short question. Do I now believe or am I ever willing to believe? And then I thought um, of this, the ism, and I'm not sure where that came from, but I, I put it here that I went, I started out in, to become recovered. I started out with ism. I stuck myself. And in that, I was stuck. I was stuck with my resentments, with everything that comes in that inventory that, that leads to selfish and self-seeking, etc. And I went, and I am on a journey. So I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm a seeker now. I seek myself. That is my true self, God, good orderly direction, so as not to have a theological argument. And now, my true self, God, and now. They're all the same thing. And I don't think that the agnostic or atheist is any farther away from from um, starting this journey than the true believer because what we're trying to do is we're, we're seeking a personal relationship with God. So whatever relationship we've had, we're, we're being instructed. And in, again, it's, I guess this is my thing, but it's how to grow up that... Um, we, as we grow up, our personal relationships improve vastly, and that, that includes the one with God. But to seek a personal relationship, we have to know first that, that that's the direction we're willing to head in. And, and then, just to throw out another little thing that I've heard from, from AAs, we go from emotionally driven to spiritually guided. That's, that's what our journey is about. So thanks for letting me share in my past. Thank you, Sue. This is Rebecca S. from Connecticut, and I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'd like to share. I want to point out the definition of the word cornerstone, and that is indispensable and fundamental beginning or basis, a stone at a corner of a building which is often used for holding historical information. So they use this term, uh, it's important in this paragraph, to point out that this is the beginning of something that we're building with our higher power that's going to transform our lives, and it, it has to be solid and steadfast, and it doesn't require a lot. It just requires willingness. I also want to point out that at this point, our equivalent of alcohol to an alcoholic, our food, our food behaviors, our compulsively overeating is put down because we've completed step one where we've admitted that we're powerless over uh, over food, and binge eating and um, whatever behaviors manifest in us with regard to our compulsive overeating and that our lives are unmanageable. And in the realization of that admission, I, for one, was able to finally put the food down once and for all and become abstinent. So now I'm abstinent and I can't eat my foods anymore and I never thought I'd be able to go a day without eating my foods, let alone 
stringing together a number of days, and I'm left with, well, now what? You know, I can't rely on the ease and comfort that I always relied on my whole life um, to get me through to the next minute or the next hour or the next day. So now what? Well, now we're on step two, and that's just two out of 12. So what choice do I have? I could either forget that I'm powerless and that my life is unmanageable and try to blot it out and go back to eating, or I can become willing to do the rest of this work, which includes believing that there's something greater than me that's going to help me. And by the grace of my higher power, I was willing to do that. And I see so many people in this program struggling with being willing to move on and staying stuck in the food, I just invite you all to take a chance and just be willing. It's a small measure. The rest comes as we work the steps. They're miraculous in nature. And I stand before you today and all those who stood before me yesterday, before I was recovered, as... um, Um, examples of how this program works and that we can be free of the need to use a substance that's going to kill us to get through the day. It's just such a better way of living. And um, I'm so grateful that I've been given the um, willingness to believe in a power greater than myself. And with that, I will pass. Does anyone else want to share before we move on? This is Nancy from Wisconsin. Hi, this Leah. Ed from New York. I heard Nancy. I heard Ed. I heard Leah. And I think there was one other person, unless Ed spoke twice. Okay, Nancy, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you for your service, and thank you, everyone, for being here and um, being listening and sharing. Um, I'm sort of new at sharing this, so I am asking to be guided for what I say. But um, I'm new in, um, I've been in and out of OA, but I'm new in really working the program with the big book. And I've always believed in God, and thought I trusted him, her, whatever, but I had issues with religion and all that. But, like, when I read this, and I read it recently and then now reading it again, I realized that my life was so powerless and unmanageable and my life was a mess in every area. You know, food was just one part of it. And I thought, I believed in God, you know. I thought I trusted God. I'd been turning my life over. I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And reading this and and studying and learning how messed up my life is and that obviously I'm not doing something right because the results I'm getting are not what God wants or I want. And I had to, like, I read this and thought, I need to, I don't know what to do, I thought I believed in God, you know, I'm willing, like, but how can I change my idea of God or my 
some power greater than myself because I'm obviously really messing up. So I pictured it as just like, just be open, Nancy. Be open to just maybe there's something else out there. Maybe there's something to this. All I had to do was be willing and being be open to be shown and guided and helped because my life has been so awful. And as I cracked open that door and just became willing to believe and put it out there that, okay, I can't do this, please make me open, help me believe, help me do what needs to be done. It's like I've had these little mini miracles of it happening. I mean, it's not all the time, obviously, because i am still got a strong will and I'm selfish and all that stuff. But just in little bitty ways, it's it's happening that something greater than myself is slowly entering into my life. Like when I drive past a fast food place, when I was hungry and thinking, oh, I'm going to go there, you know, I'll have something healthy. But then I just drove by the place. And I'm like, okay, that wasn't my intention. Thank you, you know, thank you, God, or HP. And just little things like that or having somebody that um, I've been having an issue with and wanted to talk to but I was scared and didn't know what to say, like I'd run into them, you know, and they'd come up to me and say, hey, how are you? So just these little bitty things. So I'm learning that just my willingness to be open and being willing is all I needed and it's happening, you know, even just being guided to this meeting and listening and making the priority to make it a priority in my life. So I'm already experiencing this, just putting it out there that I had to let go and let something bigger than me, even though I had no idea what that bigger than me meant, just my idea of doing it is already happening. So with that, I'll pass, and I thank you all for listening and being here um, to help me in my recovery. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy. Ed? Hi, this is Ed. I'm a compulsive overeater. Uh, I just want to say for a long, long time, I've had a rational belief in a higher power. Uh, I struggled with agnosticism for a long time, and then it became sort of obvious that this human intelligence, this my brain or the brain of even the smartest human in the world is the ultimate, and I rationally let go of my resistance. And uh, I wouldn't say it was a belief in God. It was more like a rational, uh, a, a sense a sense of the rational that this couldn't be an accident. That being said, uh, I've been in and out of the rooms for 35 years, and uh, with a few, with two short periods of abstinence, I've been uh, just in and out and controlling myself or trying to. Uh, Every time I got abstinence, or as soon as I would get abstinence, uh, I would return to the experience of, oh, I got this, I can do it, I can get spiritually fit by myself. And I've been playing with that for years. I've come to see that my problem was that my history taught me not to accept help, that it was impossible almost for me to accept help. This last time I came back 
the experience of being a robot, having my hand be like a robot and put food in my mouth is the deepest experience I have of being an addict. And so I finally have accepted that I'm an addict, and this time I've stayed. And uh, my sponsor has stayed with me. I've been willing to call him every morning, and so there has been a willingness. And finally what's happened a couple of days ago, I started reading the big book, and reading it was different. I became uh, open. I became uh, able to apply the word disease to me. I could not admit that I had a disease. That word stopped me or that I had insanity. I always had to go back to, I can do this myself. Somehow, finally, I'm reading the book book, and on my own, not because somebody assigned it to me, I started from the beginning, and I'm just reading it, and there's a, a, a humility or a willingness to say, I have this, and that's opening me up to being having a, a, a faith that's um, real and dynamic because I did have a rational one. But now, uh, hopefully, this is going to continue that I'm open to receive the reality of a higher power. I, I'm feeling it and just very hopeful that uh, I'm finally on the end of my resistance, please, God. So thank you. Thank I you, Ed. <laughs> right. Thank you, Ed. Leia? Thanks so much, Rebecca, for your service. As soon as a man can say, my name's Leah, I'm a recovered compulsive reader. As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically, we completely assure him that he is on his way. It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. Um, you know, <laughs> this disease um, certainly had turned the screws on me. Um, you know, pain was the greatest motivator to effectuate change in someone like me. Um, you know, what was my choice to be? I, I really was cornered. I really was cornered. So the big book is very gentle here, very gentle in this question. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? You know, that willingness to believe uh, was a choice for me. It was a place to begin. It was um, even without convictions, even without intellectual understanding, even without any certitude or any great feeling, uh, you know, or understanding, it was a place to begin. And I think um, in working with people, the greatest difficulty we often have with this willingness to believe is that we want something with more certainty to start with, with more assurance. We expect um, results like, you know, faith before we start. But willingness to believe is the beginning point. It says here, it has been repeatedly proven among us, meaning those in whom the problem had been solved. These men and women had recovered. These men and women who pen these pages had recovered. Something in their lives, some power greater than themselves had transformed them. Just like on the line today, we wrap the globe. There are men and women on this line, young and old, 
all different ethnic groups, all different backgrounds, all different belief systems. We had a sampling of that yesterday in the special edition. And yet, and yet, by following this path, these clear-cut directions, we have been transformed. So it says it has been repeatedly proven among us, meaning you see it in the transition of others or perhaps you uh, hear our transformations on the line. It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, meaning a willingness to believe, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. What is that spiritual structure? Well, this wonderful effective spiritual structure that they're speaking about that we're building is the spiritual awakening. That spiritual path replaced the intellectual path I was using. So, you know, what was my problem? Lack of power was my dilemma. What was going to be my solution? Well, the big book tells me in step two, came to believe that a power greater than myself is going to restore me to sanity. It's going to offer me soundness of mind. It's going to relieve my obsession of the mind. It's going to drive it out. It's going to allow me to walk a free woman on this planet Earth. And that was the buzz I was looking for. And how was I going to get such a thing? Well, the book was designed, is designed to bring about that experience. Can I have an experience that moves me to the next page? Am I compelled to read on and, and apply these steps? And indeed, I was. I was compelled. Why? Because the disease had turned its screws on me. The solution I had was obviously not working. So I had to surrender that which was not working, give up my own personal solution that was not working, and be willing to believe in something that could work because I had seen it work in others. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Okay, I know we don't have much time, but why don't we have Esther read the Appendix 2 on the Spiritual Experience on page 567 in the fourth edition, and we'll probably uh, share a little bit on that today and revisit it tomorrow. Go ahead, Esther. Good morning. My name is Esther C. from Canada, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Spiritual Experience. The term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in, very, in many different forms. <clears throat> yes, it is true. yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the differences long before he is himself. 
he finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God-consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Um, As I was reading, I was making, I had also read it um, earlier before the meeting, I was making note of all the words that are used here to refer to the same thing, and that's change. The word change, changes, upheavals, there's also the use of the word transformation, alteration, differences. These these are all referring to what we what is going to happen to us and that is that there's going to be changes in us. Way back in the doctor's opinion, he refers to the changes as a psychic change and in chapter two, um, the chapter entitled There is a Solution there, there again, there is reference to a spiritual experience, and basically that spiritual experience, as Dr. Jung describes it, are going to be huge emotional displacements, emotional rearrangements. So this is what happens to us when we embark on the program of recovery, when we embark in, you know, on the program of recovery and complete the steps. And we've been told over and over again that a spiritual experience, which is also called a spiritual awakening when it happens uh, slowly, is the very thing that is going to enable us to recover. So we're going to think differently and feel differently and, and of course, therefore act differently. I'm no longer going to be fighting everything and everybody, and I'll no longer need to reach for my binge foods or even overeat my abstinent foods to settle down or to get through the day or, or through life. Now, to, to somebody who doesn't believe, or to someone like me who was blocked, very, very blocked from a higher power, all of this seemed like a tall order. They say a wonderfully effective spiritual structure. I mean, to me, that that was as daunting as Mount Everest. But uh, rest assured, the big book teaches that all the experiences and changes and transformations that we keep talking about, they, they really start with one little thing, and that is a willingness to believe in a higher power. That's all. All the people who recovered have had spiritual awakenings or transformations, and all of them have an expanding relationship with a higher power in order to stay recovered. And for all of us, this relationship begins with a willingness to believe. So I don't need to be smart or philosophically deep or educated, in, you know, specially educated anyway. That's not going to. That's not the key. My key to unlock the door of recovery, and it's not my key to unlock the door to all the changes we keep reading and hearing about. But the key to to build uh, 
you know, to build what I the structure that I keep reading about is as this um, essay describes honesty, open-minded, and willingness. That's going to be how my cornerstone is going to be built. That is the beginning that I have to make, and that simply is a willingness to believe. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. You know, it is um, five minutes before the hour, and so I think rather than opening the floor for sharing, it's actually time to finish up for this first hour. And um, I'm sure we'll have a chance tomorrow to share on this appendix. Uh, Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Katie F. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.